What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Lulz, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight, Brian Hooper and I have a terrifying amount of show topics. I mean, we actually had to plan out, are we going to be able to get to all of these segments? Normally, we are flying by the seat of our pants. Brian, how are we doing? Good. I I, uh, I ordered a decaf coffee at Dunkin' Donuts, and they gave me caffeine in it. So I'm like <clears throat> hyped up or something. So wow, if I go what? off the rails tonight, blame it on Dunkin' Donuts. What, what time did you order the decaf? like 10 o'clock that's why i ordered decaf like i think i fucked up something in my body by drinking like three uh monster energy drinks a day for like two years straight and then i just gave up caffeine for for a couple years and i went back to just decaf you're you're in rough shape tonight because you got on the show to talk to me before and you said it was the first time you had spoken out loud all day and your voice is still a little raspy i know i think it's from that the damn, uh, the decaf and I don't know. I forgot you were a Dunkin' Donuts truther. That, yeah. I, I love that about you as a Chicago guy. That's right. Are you guys like pretty split in Chicago, Dunks and Starbucks, or does one win out? I don't know. There's a ton of both. Yeah. Well, I mean, out here in Massachusetts, it's, you know, very, very Dunkin' Donuts heavy. I'm, I'm kind of out on Dunks, but I don't know. I, I like, I like the taste better of the coffee. Do you get do you get iced coffees or hot? I get iced coffees. I saw Pomp uh, Anthony Pompolino, whatever his, his last name is, uh, tweeted out today. He goes, "If you don't drink iced coffees during winter, you're not a true iced coffee drinker." I'm yeah. like, "That's totally true. I still drink it in the winter." Here's my <laughs> thing with so I I drink iced coffees pretty much exclusively, you know, when it's hot. 
when in the winter I do like warm coffee unless I'm like hungover and dehydrated in which case I love an iced coffee uh, when you wake up hungover. Uh, that's where I'm at. But uh, you're, you're hardcore. You, they, like, there were kids at my high school who would wear, because uh, I grew up in Colorado, and it would be snowing, and they would still be wearing cargo shorts and sandals to school in December. Were you, were you one of those guys? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, okay. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how extreme you are on continuing summer year-round. No, if it's cold, I throw on warm clothing for sure. I mean, it gets really fucking cold here. It gets really cold by you too. So yeah, yep. Um, all right, we got like two feet of snow and sandals. I've told these were the offensive linemen at our. There were like two of them, and it doesn't matter. It would be two feet of snow, and they would be rocking the cargo shorts and sandals, and it was just like that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna okay. do. It. Um, all right, we got a good show tonight. We're gonna talk uh, correlations. In DFS, we're going to talk about gambling media and how they portray uh, big bets and parlays. We are going to talk about uh, something Bales has recently written about, about working for free. And if we have time, we will build a lineup. We don't have Thursday night football this week, so we're going to have to decide if we're going to build a golf lineup, which I know nothing about, although that's an evergreen statement, or if we're going to build a main slate lineup. So we'll figure that out. Um Brian, what do you want to what do you want to get underway with here? You want to talk uh, about some of these uh, how media portrays sports betting? Sure, let's let's start with that one. Um, we're also going to talk about the the new correlations options on <clears throat> on these sites too. Yeah, I think uh, I'm I'm excited to talk about that with you because correlations are definitely something I've been thinking about a ton with NFL. And I remember talking with you, I think it was a couple of weeks ago too, about the idea of like bring backs with, with NFL stuff. And if you're bringing it back with a running back wide receiver, so excited to get into the weeds on that, but let's talk about how uh, media coverage uh, of big bets in DFS. And I know you sent me over a tweet storm. I, I don't like saying threat. I like saying tweet storm by Rufus Peabody. Is that the thing that got the gears turning for you? Or was it something else? I think it's that. And it's just been, They've been talking about it in gambling Twitter for like a couple weeks now. <clears throat> this was kind of the one that really blew it up. I, I think it was this one. He might have another one, but it's basically just like this. So are, are you familiar with, with what's going on here? Do you, you want me to kind of break it down? So I did I did see this thread and I read the Rufus one, but you should you should break it down for, for everybody regardless. So Darren Roval, I guess, is the main guy that they're having problems with, who has, you know, well over a million Twitter followers, works for the Action Network, and he tweets out like these promo tweets of big bets, big parlays, and, you know, uses that to draw action to his company. And gambling Twitter has kind of been, uh, I don't know, pushing back against him uh, for doing that. And Captain Jack Andrews uh, broke down at least one, probably two of the bets that they promoted just to show how, if you if you add up all the math, um, how bad these bets are. And I'm not going to go over everything here, but I think he's got like a summary here. His expected value of the wager, hopefully that's on the screen. His yeah, no, it is. I'll go full to it. Minus $1.3 million. So yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty bad. 
Um, and then that kind of this kind of tweet kind of blew up, and then Rufus did it switch over to Rufus. Yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. So Rufus also had a big bet. He's he's kind of been going at it with with some of these guys too here and there. I see where he um, where he talks about more along the lines of the problem is how operators control media coverage, and he's got kind of let's see where there's a good uh, tweet here. The issue is pretty fundamental. Most sports betting media entities exist only because of operators. They are literally literally paid by operators. That's how the affiliate model works. Would it be okay if a newspaper covering the Trump White House were funded by the administration? Uh, he has another example like this, too. Yeah, of the sports betting media is mainly a marketing arm for operators. Yada, yada, yada. Um Here's another uh, point that I want to talk about uh, after I get your thoughts on this. State lotteries would love to see uh, media coverage of someone winning 20 grand from a scratch off ticket, but media outlets don't get a referral fee like these, like Action Network would. Uh, So that's why you don't see these type of things for lottery systems. Um. He gets some pushback and defends himself. So what do, what do, what's your overall take on this? Yeah, I mean, the dynamic makes sense in that it plays out in a lot of industries, right? Where the bigger companies that are trying to make money, they are going to naturally be partnered with sites where the incentives aren't quite aligned perfectly. Like he, he talks about the sports betting. And it, doesn't it happen in, in DFS too, where, you know, DFS sites, uh, tout sites, are they're incentivized to drive people to these sites and be a marketing arm for them because that's where they're getting a lot of their revenue. You know, like I know a lot of sites early on in affiliate deals were making tons of money off of DraftKings and FanDuel too. I guess the question then is how these ecosystems work and how predatory it is, right? Where in DFS, they've at least created some of these things where it's beginners only contests and stuff like that, where they're trying to make sure these guys don't get chewed up and spit out right away. But in sports betting, it seems like there isn't any of those protections, right? Like they're just happy to get anyone in the door, however they can and chew them up and spit them out. And they're okay with marketing these mega parlays of being like, you too could win a million dollars on a 26 leg parlay. What's your take on gambling overall? Like I know, obviously, moralistically, yeah. I, I, no, I, I'm, I'm fine with it. I think I, I've definitely fall in that camp that I don't think that you know people should be, you know, protected from you know making mistakes or whatever. That people should be able to do their own research and and make their own decisions. Um, but now we're going to enter that gray area that I assume you're wanting to talk about, which is how marketing can portray unrealistic expectations for consumers. Well, there's, there's two ways I want to attack this. One is that first part where just overall uh, gambling and how it's thought about in society and even in our circles. And then two, um, uh, uh, then this, this whole sports media side part. <clears throat> so obviously I think gambling should be illegal, should be legal and should have been illegal. Like why, if it's legal now, why wasn't it legal before? And they owe us an apology, honestly, for people who are getting in trouble for gambling and et cetera. If it's legal now, why wasn't it legal then? <clears throat> um, 
but I think the main thing that you didn't mention there that uh, people who would disagree with us is uh, gambling addiction. And so Rufus mentions this in one of his tweets uh, that that's one of the reasons he's doing this. If you could get my screen back really quick. Yeah. <clears throat> so I want to put some, some of this in, in, in perspective. So if you look at gambling uh, statistics, let's see if I could find this. Here we go. Some studies on problem gambling. So in England, a uh, 2007 study, between 0.5 to 3% of people had problem gambling. The same year they did one in um, Norway, it was 0.7%. In 2008 in America, it was 0.6%. <clears throat> problem gamblers was 2.3%, but who knows how they define that. Uh, this National Gambling Act, so this is co a Congress-issued uh, study, was between 0.1% to 0.6%. So I actually wrote down some other uh, problem areas. I did some a little research before the show. So um, addicted to alcohol, 6%. Uh, uh, <laughs> based on my recent examples, uh, that number should be a lot higher. Uh, smoking cigarettes, 14%. Uh, obesity, 13%, right? Overweight, 39%, right? So like, what, what, what are we doing here? Right? Like, why are we, uh, I think as gamblers, we shouldn't start from the perspective that, uh, um, gambling's wrong. You know what I mean? Of course. That yeah. like, there's this big, huge problem of problem gamblers, because honestly, there isn't. That is a tiny, tiny fraction of the of the world of the gambling world. And there was another one. If uh, you want to share it back, sorry. No, no, you're good. If you break it down by gender and age, right? Women are 0.1 percent of this group, right? So, like, women shouldn't even be counted at all. They have like zero problem with this. And the majority of it is from male 16. Uh, people 16 to 24 years old, people all over 45 or 0.3% or less. Um, and now you can get rid of it. Like that, that is like nothing, right? It's like this Puritan boogeyman uh, that they've been shoving down our, our, our throat. So gambling has been illegal for what, how long? A hundred years now, something yeah. like that. So of course they have to, the state has to justify this. So they've been feeding us this bullshit for 70, 80 years, right? And I'm surprised it's like, okay, well, now it's legal. Why? Why is it legal? <clears throat> and then now they have to justify their heavy, heavy involvement. So they didn't just legalize it and then let DraftKings and Poker Stars, and Poker's still not here, right? DraftKings and Poker Stars and any company, Pete wants to start, you want to start your own, you know, line movement. Maybe they want to do their own thing. You don't just, you can't just start willy-nilly, right? There's tons of regulation. Uh, the barrier to entry is high, right? And why Why is that? Why is the state involved at all? And the, the licensing fees on a state-by-state -state basis are almost prohibitive for these upstarts because you have, you know, DraftKings or FanDuel can pay them, but some of these operators, smaller operators can't get live in states because they have to pay a, a $500,000 out-of-the-box fee. Right, and they justify it by this bullshit narrative. So- I don't like when Rufus said, I love Rufus. I'm not shitting on him, but I don't like when gamblers say 
Like we need to uh, police these these media outlets, and and we'll get into the media. But I'll just police people, touts even. Remember, I went on my tout rant, you know, a month ago. I'm fine with touts too. Um, like it, it, I don't think it should be our job to police them. And the one of the main reasons, because I think our our actual mantra or um, saying should be like gambling is for, gambling is entertainment based it's for entertainment and value is subjective and you might want to spend 500 bucks on a golf shirt that costs five dollars to make in a foreign country by almost slave labor right someone else might want to buy pot you know and someone else might want to bet on a game and it's none of your fucking business what they want to do is value subjective and consenting adults should it be able to engage in voluntary transactions as long as it's not hurting anyone else? So I want gamblers to start with <clears throat> it's it's entertainment and go fuck yourself, right? We start at zero. We don't start where oh there's gambling problems. Okay, yeah. we'll 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 we need to police our our area. It's like no, it's a, it's it's almost a myth the way people think about it. It's a very tiny fraction. And you know what? To those people that are affected by it, you know it's horrible. It could ruin lives. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying it's not. But maybe those people could get addicted to other things too. Who knows? Maybe it's like a personality. I'm not a you know fit licensed therapist by any means. But when you when you start negotiating, right? This is honestly like you don't you don't want to negotiate to their side. And and to theirs, I'm saying to the state people who want to regulate us, people who want to get involved here. We want to start here and then have them come to us. We don't want to come to them, right? We don't just want to say, oh, yeah, gambling's bad and people get addicted to it. We got to be careful. No, we should say gambling's entertainment and adults should be able to gamble, uh, to transact freely. And it's none of your fucking business because value is subjective. Yeah. Okay. So that's like where I'm coming from, from all this stuff. Now, with the, Second part, which is more what they're talking about, is these media companies that are um, hand in hand with the sports book, right? Because they have affiliate links that when someone signs up on their site, they get five hundred bucks or whatever. Now, what do you? Why don't you? Why don't you go first here? So, like, what do you think about that specifically? That, well, that, first that. of all, I was just chuckling because the argument you laid out for like pro gambling relative to other entertainment or vice products is the argument I gave my mom in high school that actually won out when I would say to her, I was like, mom, you're concerned I'm going to play poker every single night. Here's the deal. That five to $10 I'm going to go spend on a Texas Hold'em buy-in is literally if I went to the movies. I was like, if I could go to the movies, you wouldn't bat an eye if I said I'm going with my friends to the movies. I'm literally just going and spending that money playing poker with my friends at their house. She and she bought the argument. And that, that's a still essentially the argument you're making. Like I knew yeah. it was entertainment. I wasn't going to, you know, be losing more than that. It's like if I had a movie addiction, I was spending hundreds of dollars a week at the movies. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. And, on the, and the odds that you would turn into a, a gambleholic are infinitesimal, right? Like they're t they're tiny. I get bullied that I don't want to gamble more these days. Yeah, They're calling me Nip Verzette because I don't want to, to to start shot taking because I've won a few times. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and also they don't say, okay, what percentage of that 0.6% are fucking gambling studs who make millions of dollars? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So let's like, uh, so I, I mean, but you get, you get my argument, right? Yeah, of yeah, like, of kind of like uh, policing touts, policing the media companies as professional gamblers or, you know, um, well, personalities in this industry. Well, and I see what you're hinting at because it's saying if, if we do that, if, if we're, we're bagging on Rovell, then we need to say McDonald's. When you do this thing, you're not actually using ketchup in those commercials. You're using an artificial substance that looks better on camera than actual ketchup. You're not using actually lettuce. You are manufacturing an image to make me want this burger than the true reality. Isn't it the exact same thing? Yeah. And 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 I, I looked this up too. An iPhone takes 43 countries on six continents to make, right? Like, do you think these companies in these other continents uh, want Apple to do well? Do you think they want to shit on Apple? No, of course not, right? There's a lot of businesses that sprout. We talked about this before the show. We couldn't think of the word. But there's a lot of businesses that sprout from, like, one good idea. And they're all tied together in one way or another, right? And it's just, like, if if this um, if this was looked at as a purely entertainment, subjective value enterprise, no one would give a shit. Now, here's where I want, I want to be fair to their argument here. I, I, I do agree with them to some extent because we don't live in the society that I want to live in, right? Which would be gambling would just be legal and uh, an entertainment thought about as an entertainment thing. The state would have no say in it. We live in a highly regulated, heavily regulated environment, right? And so once we live in that state, it, it does make sense to, okay, if you're going to control this industry, if you're going to close the doors uh, to competition, essentially, right? Yeah, of course, you know, CBS could decide to buy in. I'm sure, you know, who knows? Someone else big will probably buy in. But Fantasy Draft couldn't hack it, and I love that site, right? Fantasy Aces couldn't hack it. Uh, whatever draft street, a bunch of them couldn't hack it. Right. And these, and some of those were in unregulated environments. So like, it's going to be this tiny, heavily regulated environment. And I know here in Illinois, it, 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 we barely even got these casinos to launch if it wasn't for COVID and the governor exists, you know, issued that executive order allowing us to sign up in person. It would have been like a year and a half before we even had this stuff. And that was solely due to corporate interests, specifically one dude, right? So when we live in this, this, um, I don't know, rule, okay, I'm fine with the argument of like, we should push the legislature um, in the direction of a better industry for, for betters, right? Okay, you can't limit me. So I just got limited on Bet Rivers, right? Fuck you, you can't do that. Like if we're going to, if we're, you know what I'm saying? Like this should be our mantra is like, you can't limit an entertainment based product if you're in this heavily regulated environment, right? Like that should be, that should be our argument. It's like, okay, if you're going to regulate the shit out of this and, and, and squelch competition, then we want to push back. And they're right. The affiliates, the sports, the, the action networks. I mean, I guess they're the, the bad people in this thing. I'm not shitting on the action network, but you know what I mean? Like they're not going to do it, right? They're not going to do it because they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. They're totally right. I don't think in the grand scheme of markets and how they're all intertwined and stuff that it really is their responsibility though. 
Um, and maybe there's a different angle we could take. And so like Rufus has this um, uh, group he started. Um, let's see what it's called. He has it under his bio. American Better. Educating, protecting. Okay, see, I I, I, would, I would disagree with his angle here. But the idea of American Betters Coalition, advocating for all sports betters in the American sports betting landscape. So I, I, I agree with the second part. Educating, fine. Protecting. Yeah, okay, I'm fine with protecting too. If you're looking at it, protecting it from the state and not from yourself, right? And not from some company that's, you know, trying to promote their product. Um. Uh, or, or, I mean, I guess it's, I, I'm fine calling them out, like like Captain Jack's thing. It's like, of course, you know, this is stupid. This guy made a horrible bet. I'm completely fine with saying that too. So it, don't uh, don't like. Yeah, checks and balances out. need to exist, and and just as they have the right to to market their thing, you know, Captain Jack and Rufus have the right to come back and call out why it's a negative EV bet. Yeah. Exactly. I'm totally, I'm totally fine with that, but I would still say like, okay, like our, our, um, you know, our saying, our mantra, our, the way we think of this should be, this is entertainment. The, the, uh, problem gambler element is very tiny, especially compared to other vices that you're completely free to choose right? With, with minimal or no regulation. So, so like we need to be starting from zero and have them come to us or 10 and have them come to us, depending on which way you're looking at it here, right? It shouldn't be like, okay, well, yeah, we need, we need programs to stop problem gamblers and stuff like that. And they never, and, and by the way, like working through the state, none of this shit's going to, like, even if you think there's a big problem gambler thing, the state's not going to help them. Like if you look at the Illinois Gambling Board, there's just people uh, who have no idea what ga- they've they've never even like worked in gambling. They're not gamblers, you know what I mean? They don't know shit about it. They're generally um, everyone who works for the state is connected in one way or another. Um, I've worked there, I know. That's how I got my job. Um, so like, I wouldn't even advocate for that. I would just advocate. The state now that here's the argument: if the state is going to regulate the shit out of these industries and squelch competition, well, then you got to help us out. You got to stop them from limiting us and banning us. You know, and that's right. It. Right, We're, like what you're saying is, if you're going to meddle and have your hand in this, actually do it for good for the consumer, or just stay out of it. Just stay the fuck out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Why are you involved? Why are you involved? Problem and gamblers. You, Bullshit. And if you are involved, yeah, protect the the consumer and the way you yeah. protect the consumer. Here's is, yeah. Because here's the environment you've set up, the state. They set up this this highly regulated small market with a high barrier of entry, and no protection for us to, from getting limited. So you're guaranteeing all Illinois residents, all in every other state too. Of only losing. You're guaranteeing it. Because if you win, they'll limit you. So in your 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 precious attempt to protect us, right? You're guaranteeing that all your constituents will lose. 
So first of all, I agree with you, but I, just to play devil's advocate, how do you think about it of like, okay, a business has the right to refuse, you know, someone coming into their store and buying something. Why, why can't a casino refuse the right to take Brian Hooper's prop bet action? No, they should. They should have, they should absolutely have their right. And if I was, if I was King, I would rule with an iron fist. No, if I was King, I would, <laughs> I wouldn't, I would I wouldn't let, I wouldn't be involved and they could do whatever they want. And, and hopefully the circa, the circas, the pinnacles, the bookmakers, the bet Chris's would get, would come to America. I guarantee they would circa's already here. They're just not in Illinois. And then they would, they would, provide extra competition for these retail books to stop banning and limiting. Right. And by the way, those books, all all those books I mentioned, don't ban players. Right. Or for the most part, I guess Penny might've banned Bob Volgaris or something. I don't know. Um, But we don't live in that world, right? We live in a world that's highly regulated. There's it takes like $5 million or something to get a license in Illinois. There's tons of rules if you notice on your on your on your if you if you have accounts at any of these sports books, they log you out after like 20 minutes of non-activity because some gambling board registration. That's in Illinois. I don't know if it's in other states. They're, they're, um, it's harder to deposit now. Right? There's restrictions on banks for taking our money. If you live, okay, fine. If you're gonna be in control, then then we need some fucking protections too. So I I mean I I if that's what, and then if their argument, I'm trying to be charitable to the, to the people who are calling these companies out. If their argument is along those lines, then I'm totally with you. And, um, but like, I don't see blaming pouts and, um, media companies, right? People should be allowed to assess their own risk to engage in voluntary transactions as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else and you know have subjective value in your value on entertainment and other things and what your values are i don't give a fuck stay the fuck oh you know stay away from you know live your life and let me live mine but with the state so heavily involved like i don't see a way around this other than putting pressure on on the local um, assemblies. And that's probably not going to work because we tried that with the PPA, right? The uh, Poker Players Association. And I talked to John Pappas a little bit. And I was in Springfield at that time when that legislation was getting passed. <laughs> I can't help it, man. I, don't, I love I, it. It lasts for like eight hours. I wanted to drive back there and like tell the Dunkin' Donuts guy, like, you know, I should fucking sue you. <laughs> um, we need more regulations on these coffee houses. Right. Just totally flip flop. What the hell was I talking about? Oh, oh, the PPA. So, so like, you know, as anyone who was involved in that, like, the PPA got taken over by poker stars. Right, people would give money to them, but really they were like an arm of poker stars, full tail, and ultimate bet. And so that help doesn't help you, because if you're just a poker player, and the state's considering legalizing it, 
who gives a shit if poker stars is in your state or not, right? You just want legal poker. But when you have lobbyists working on behalf and fighting any sort of compromise, unless their client gets in, you know, it hurts you. And so like Rufus seems like a really, you know, moral guy, which is, he's clearly, you know, he's, he, he's openly progressive and he, and, and this is probably one of the reasons why he says like that he wants to stop this media, this, this sports media stuff because he doesn't want people getting the wrong idea and, you know, losing money and problem animals. So I would, I would imagine if he's the head of his association, it's probably going to, you know, uh, have a good like moral backbone, but it's tough. Like even the PPA started as a, like a grassroots effort and I might be shitting on him a little too much. Cause I honestly, I don't know a ton, everything about him, but um, getting the legislature to change, like we're kind of, fu- we're kind of fucked. Reg- regulation is, is, is almost like it's, it's a double-edged sword. So like, yeah, now we have legal books, but for how long, you know, how long till you start winning, then they'll ban you. And then what? Like, would you rather have the wild, wild west? You know what I mean? More options. Some of them might go under. I mean, I've had them go under on me. I mean, I would rather, you know, Thomas Jefferson, I'd rather deal with the problems of too much liberty than too little. I mean, that's just me personally, but like, yeah, there would be problems in that world, but um, I'd much rather do, I'd much rather live there. But just generally speaking, though, I want, I, the point I'm trying to drive home is that against touts and against the sports media, like, like, is, let's, let's go at this from gambling is entertainment. There's nothing wrong about it. There's nothing wrong with it. The problem gambling issue is, is tiny. Look at the numbers. Right. Break it down demographically. Um, and it's 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 a tiny, tiny problem. And don't let them have the argument. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, that people people get mad at, say, the Action Network or whoever advertising these big parlay wins. But I, I'm actually now going to have to hedge this because I was going to say people did get mad at all the DraftKings ads, but it was just the volume of them. They were like, I'm so sick of these. But the, you know, Dink and our friend Bobby Gomes and holding up their big checks and stuff, being like, you too could win a million dollars playing DFS. People didn't get mad at those conceptually. Like, right? They, 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 put, they put like hot girls on car ads. <laughs> like, you're not going to fuck her. You know what I mean? Like, this is marketing. Yeah. Right? How what, how, how heavily regulated do we want to be on this type of stuff? Like, I mean, me personally, I want none of it, but I can understand where people are coming from, where they want some of it, but it's like, it's, it's just because we were brainwashed for 70 years by like Puritan values from the 1700s that this is even in a debate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I went to, I went to Iceland like six or seven years ago and, they had prohibition up through like 1920, like beer wasn't legal until I think like the seventies or eighties. And now every weekend, everyone from Iceland descends on Reykjavik on the weekend and just gets absolutely blotto, just completely obliterated. Like we pulled into our hostel and people were getting in fights and stuff because they literally just get drunk on the weekends just to write because they didn't have it. 
all this time. It was like, because the country had this really archaic view on alcohol. Like it, it's completely backwards everywhere you look at these, these laws. And another thing, Rufus mentioned the lottery, the state lottery. Okay. That's a good example of why we need companies like the Action Network or just the way we don't want the state involved. It's because when the state is involved, look at the lottery. It's a giant hunk of shit, right? Like the, uh, it's 50% VIG or whatever. That's not even including taxes. Um, uh, it, it produces no ancillary companies. I still don't know what the right word is. Piggyback companies. It produces no companies uh, other than itself, right? Where when DraftKings got legalized, well, now there's Roto-Grinders. There's Awesomeo. There's, uh, uh, you know, Action Network. There's Fantasy Cruncher. There's all these um, optimizers. There's business transactions, right? PayPal uh, fees. Tons of things come from it where when the state runs it, it fucking sucks, <laughs> right? It, like the lottery. So, like, we don't want them involved at all. The, I mean, to be fair, the state is incapable of, like, doing pretty much anything. And so they don't make the lottery, right? They, like, outsource that. So there are some jobs there. But there'd be a hell of a lot more if the lottery was just legal, which, by the way, why isn't it? Yeah. Why wouldn't it be legal? Why is sports betting legal now, but the lottery isn't? You know, and don't get me started on poker. What's what's the difference between uh, a media sports gambling media site covering an absurd parlay versus covering the guy who won the Millie Maker this week on DK? And I believe he had Chase Claypool and Travis Fulgham in his lineup. He had two bullets. I do know that he had two lineups and he won a million dollars. What is the difference in saying this dude won a million dollars playing DFS? That could be you and saying this guy hit a 26 leg parlay. I mean, the, 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 the VIG was worse on the parlay, I guess, but like, so what? Like, it, it doesn't matter. Like the VIG is worse on a golf shirt than it is, you know yeah. I mean? On uh, some, some other thing that I put a high value on that you might not. Um, so like, I don't, I, I don't care what their reasoning would be. I'm assuming because it's 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 a higher big, it's a worse bet, and they're like educating betters even even poorly just to get them to sign up for their referral links. Does your own pragmatic interests skew differently? And like, if the sports betting sites or platforms bring in more people, Brian Hooper can't really benefit from that because the sites are benefiting from those guys coming in and betting into the VIG and all that. Whereas if those people come into the DFS ecosystem and they start playing in contests that brick 75 is in that potentially helps you. How do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there is competition in sports betting. Like you want to be the first to hit the line before it moves. So there is a aspect to it of, you know, getting there before your competitors, comp competing sports betters. Um, but I mean, I, Im I imagine the more recreational betters, the more liquidity the sports book has, and the more promotions they can give out to me, and you know, the longer they could stay alive. And this, but this is the, this, but again, they're gonna they're gonna ban and limit me, and like all I can beat right now is props. So like I don't, I don't they haven't banned they haven't limited me 
in like NFL sides, but I was listening to Spanky's uh, Be Better Better podcast, and um, that he said DraftKings limited him in NFL sides to twenty bucks. <clears throat> NFL sides, like no one can beat NFL sides except maybe like Rufus and some other people. Why would you limit someone on sides? Right, exactly. So like they're going about this, and but and, and they're going about this in like an Uber fashion. I mean, Uber the company. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, so like they're gonna they're gonna operate at a loss, and you know just take as many customers and everything as they can, and if you even hint at a being a winning better, they'll just they'll just ban you or limit you. It makes no sense on the sides. Like they're super efficient markets. You're taking a vig. Let Spanky flip coins on sides, and you take his vig. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's there's a there's a bunch of different ways, uh, a bunch of different ways, and he talks about it on his podcast all the time of how they could profit off of sharp betters. And sharp betters don't all, always have the same sides, right? No. So like you can get a high, you'd have like a lower margin, but like a higher volume, so you can make more money. Um, I'm not a bookmaker, so like, what do I know? It, it, but really, again, that that argument comes down to. In a free society, I would say I, we should have no say in what the books do. But in this heavily regulated society, I mean, we should we should raise hell. Right. I just want to do it from this angle of uh, this is this is entertainment. Uh, uh, you know, we value it highly as more than other people, and that's okay. And and you know, if you're going to heavily regulate this industry, well, then you need to not guarantee that all your constituents are guaranteed losers. You need to do something. Yeah. They're not gonna, but it's nice to talk about. It makes me feel good. (laughs) It's nice to talk about. This is why, this is why we don't have segments because I was like, Oh yeah, this will be a nice 10 to 15 minute segment. And I just looked up and realized we're 40 minutes in. Uh, Why don't we talk about uh, correlations in DFS? Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to get the bails at this point, but yeah. Well, uh, well, uh, yeah, we can we can figure it out down the road. Yeah, maybe this hopefully this will only lasts like ten minutes. So you I mean you've seen can you see that? Yeah, they could read it. So um you saw like Fantasy Labs has a correlations tab now, right? Yeah, they uh, have a and I've they've I've looked at I remember last time I looked at it was around the Super Bowl around showdown, and they had a matrices tab that I looked at for for like it was Chiefs Patriots and uh wait not chiefs patriots whatever the super bowl was chiefs 49ers and showing all the correlations for the uh for the position so i know they have that up over there uh okay and then i think i saw one somewhere else but anyways they're, they're they'll probably follow suit if they haven't yet right and so fantasy cruncher did one too i don't have a lab subscription right now uh i haven't for a while nothing against them personally i just don't have one and so we'll we'll do fantasy crunchers so i talked to dave a little bit um about how this works um uh after he told me to uh to kill myself no i'm kidding um and so (laughs) yeah i said it i said it um so let's go over this let me delete these groups really quick so if you go under groups auto group creator and I, i i save these you'll have to make them yourself this is the new part here. Uh, set plus minus. This is the correlation piece. So 
how he told me this works is this is based off of the player. Uh, and hopefully this is right. Cause I, we didn't really go too in depth to it. He was too busy, but um, you could, you it's based off of the player, the positional player, not the quarterback. So let's say like Kamara has 25 points projected and you want 25% correlation on him with breeze whatever that is, you know, two and a half points or whatever. That's what it'll add every time they're in the lineup together. So it's an additional point. Per, it's an additional point amount based off of that player's projection. It, that you're saying sense? it's boosting the projection based on the correlation. Let's do a small, an easy one. A 10 point projection at 10% would be a one point boost every time the that lineup is in there with that key player. Does that make sense? Yeah. So even if you use randomness, like let's say that guy's bouncing between five and fifteen in the in the sim in the yeah. fantasy country sim, he'll be he'll still be bouncing in there, but plus one every time he's in there with Drew Brees. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I think that makes sense, right? No, it does because that one thing I've been thinking about. You know, granted I'm a beautiful hand builder with these with these bad boys, but with an optimizer, like the second I think about like a team that just whatever quarterback I choose, let's say in that, like I would want his pass catchers boosted relative to this lineup. Like I'd want his pass catchers are now more valuable to me than they were before this quarterback was my quarterback in that lineup. Definitely. And, and so that's, this is making those, those boost adjustments for you based on a decision that the lineup has already made. Uh, Pretty much, yeah. So you can do it the old way, this new way, or combine them. So the old way, you would just do this stuff wouldn't this stuff wouldn't be here. And I don't want to delete these because I want to run it. But if I would delete all these, you can't hide them either. It would just be I want you know one or two or three players from this group, and the group could be from the same team or from the same game. So it would be like okay, let's say I want three players from the Packers paired with uh, Rogers. So it would be, you know, Volta, Volta Scantling Adams, and then like whoever the run back option is, whoever they're playing against. Right. And like, if, and if Rogers populates, then those guys, some mix of that, those players will populate. So you could still do that and force those stacks, or you could just bump up the correlations across the board and then let the optimizer do its work. So here's how I think I'm going to send it up for Sunday. You got two. I did two running backs, one above five and above one above ten uh, uh, points projection. And I, I'm not, I actually don't even pay attention to these. I just kind of typed them in there. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And then I put their um, their correlation a little higher for each like bump up in points. So just so like, like wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three. Right, without going into the total nitty ditty uh, details and like individually changing everything. Well, where are you getting these correlation percentages? This from your own research? I just made them up for this. You show. just made them up. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I make my own correlations. I don't know. I'm, uh, and he, he, he said he did not have an auto upload. Like I can't upload my correlations and then just auto, but maybe he'll, he'll add that in. Um, 
Which is probably what I what I will do if that eventually comes around. Because right now he's using his data based on correlations. No, I type these in. Okay, so there's no. It's it's just what it's just, at, the yeah. correlations have to be inputted by the user manually. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And I just made it more complicated. The first thing that'll pop up <laughs> is just this one position. Yeah. Right. So I did QB uses key player, and then I did all the positions you would you know you would use. I did three wide receivers at three different ownership projections. So like this way, there's like a wide receiver, one, two, three, higher correlation on, you know, incrementally. So like the more points, the more correlation there's going to be. Yeah. Tight end. And then a run back option, opposing team. And this should be opposing tight end. Use at least one player from this group. Um, you could do, you could do zero. Right. And then see what happens, but we'll just do run one. Um, and, and then letter is this, what's that? What slate is this? This is fantasy crunchers projections for Thursday's full week slate. I didn't, yeah, I didn't put anything real in there. And yeah. And you can see the filter. I have all the games, all the games. Yeah. Yeah. So like if we, min if we minimize this, um, it'd probably be a tighter, if we yeah. did just Sunday slate, it'd be a tighter, uh, uh, whatever. Um, player pool and so you could see that even though i did i just did two man minimum stacks we got a whole bunch of 48 stacks of three players and one stack of four players and so like if you jacked up that correlation you're gonna have to play around with it but if you jacked up that correlation even more then these stacks would start going up so like you can see the first one's a bridgewater double stack no run back we got Minshew solo here you know you're gonna have to here's another issue with o'shaughnessy and i mean these are these are just fantasy crunchers based projections yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no no i know they're not predictive um, but you're saying that these lineups are influenced and boosted by a correlation backing yes from um oh you know what uh hopefully that was saved i don't because i think i screwed that up you have to you have to copulate it let's see if that changes things. I, I imagine we're going to get a lot more stacks now. I was going to say that. Okay. Yeah. It's going a lot slower. So that, that was definitely wrong. So yeah, now it's going to, now it's going to put those boosts on. So yeah, we're getting more four man stacks. And here's another thing too. You can't tell me this, at least on fantasy crunch. I don't know about the other ones. If there's a run back option, it doesn't, it doesn't populate this as, a stack. Yeah. Right? So one thing, here's something I've been thinking about and maybe you can tie it into this stuff and thinking about contest size and how it impacts stacking. So like Leone Holka and I, we were in the Thunderdome last week and we, and we did a double stack with a bring back, but almost the entire field was doing almost optimal cash lineups that weren't even considering stacking and then you know backing that out obviously to win the millie maker you need the one-off fulgum you need the one-off chase claypool like you don't see the mega game stacks win the millie maker how do you think about stacking as it pertains to contest size i mean it should be the the same premise i did my core my stacking correlation video at whatever eight months ago six months ago refresh us where, where if you if you um, if the amount of points you're giving up 
to force a stack is less than the benefit from the correlation, and I guess you could test it now in Fantasy Cruncher, um, then you shouldn't do it. Um, and, and so like, if you, like what, it depends on like how you go about figuring out how to enter. So if like, there's like a target score based on the tournament, if you have some sort of EV calculation that you come up with based on tournament size, like that should all be adjusted with the correlation and and fantasy point projections in mind. But but isn't like, if if you run just optimals, Using any projection, you're gonna not you're gonna get very little correlation generally. Mm-hmm. But we know that correlation and in, in QB to wide receiver and pass catchers isn't an important thing. Like I just feel with that principle, you wouldn't end up stacking much at all if you were just trying to jam in the most projected points. No, because if your quarterback is correlated heavily correlated with a wide receiver, that could be like eight points benefit. Okay, so now you're saying if once we adjust for the correlation boost, then comparing it to the projected points of an optimal. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And so So then how how do point boost? So let's say there's two lineups. There's There's a Julio stack and then just a Matt Ryan solo. Yeah. If the Matt Ryan solo is 135 points projected and the Julio stack's 130 points projected, you're like, okay, I'm fine five points less. It's like, oh, but there's an eight point stack benefit from the correlation it's actually better so then that that begs the question how do we know how many points a correlation is worth you have to figure that out on your own (laughs) (laughs) that that's where your public information stops (laughs) i mean i don't know i think it's pretty easy i think i told you before um i guess i forgot it too many drinks on these shows um, but that, so, okay. That, that, that makes more sense. You're not just comparing projected points to projected points. You're, you're now factoring in the, is there any way to, so with these correlation things that you're putting in, can you figure out, so like you just put in random numbers, you said in the, in the correlation boost, can you figure out how many points that represents based on like, if you put in 20% correlation boost, do you know how many points that manifests in? Yeah, like I said, if there's like a 10-point projection and you do yeah. 10% boost, it's one point. Okay. It's 10% of the projection. Okay. So if it was 20, that would be two points at 10%, 20 points. So it would be a four-point boost every time those two players are in the lineup together. So in our as this show was founded on League of Legends principles, when our R-squared was up there in the – you know. percentage you're saying that those individual correlations would have been worth like nine or ten points each yeah yeah so like a completely let's say it was 100 percent correlated an uncorrelated lineup was a hundred would be worth 100 points a correlated lineup would be worth 200 points yeah yeah so it's like 1.8 times better um and so, but you know, we're we playing a game. This is a competition against other people with ownership. We have to figure all that stuff out. And League of Legends is a super dupey, dupey uh, sport. Super duper and a super, super duper sport. <laughs> Here, look at that. So this is the we got forty eight stacks of three man and one stack of four man without the correlation. Now with the correlation, we got um, eighty five stacks of three man and four four man. And this is not counting runbacks either. So it's double. It's it doubled the amount of stacks. Yeah. So if you don't, if you normally make a whole bunch, you still might have to do that to get the exact 
you know, amount that you want. Um, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, on, you know, for, on a base level principle, you know, the way I've been personally thinking about stacking is just eliminating the number of things you have to get right. And the, the smaller, the smaller contest you are in, you know, we, like I mentioned, we were in the Thunderdome and we're in a 25 person contest And the way we were thinking about it is a lot of these guys are just jamming an optimal lineup. And just by correlating our lineup heavier than these guys, it eliminates the number of things we have to get right. And it's a more binary proposition, like the chalk hits and we lose or our over correlated lineup hits and we lap the field. Who's all jamming a cash optimal. Do you think that's the right way to think about it? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say so. Like you always benefit when um, like assuming, assuming, assuming your your projections or EV or however you want to do it are like basically set the same. Yeah. Then yeah, you always benefit by having a lesser owned team and or player when the expected outcome or value is the same. Then You'll what do you, benefit. how so do you, you think, have, for example, if you have your, your Cowboys double stack or whatever that is projected at about the same as yeah. the other guys at a lower ownership and heavily correlated, that's like a huge edge, but so it's like what? a 20, 30, 40 point edge. That that's what we thought. And then that's what and I'm still happy with that lineup. Why do you think so many of these high stakes players, you know, the empire makers out there just jam their one optimal into all of these contests with little thought to correlation. I, I don't know. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say probably cause he's lazy. He's just jamming it all in there. I don't know. Um, he just maybe he doesn't care, like because he's got three hundred grand in cash games, and he's just got you know ten grand, twenty grand in some of these single entry ones or something. I don't know, but like, um, I mean, you've given me your thoughts on Empire Maker behind the scenes. Why don't you share them here publicly? No, I'm I'm actually one. I mean, like, I I just I I had a twenty percent stake in our Thunderdome entry last week. That's the first time I've ever played in in the Thunderdome. So uh, I'm new to it, but I conceptually it makes sense to me. And I'm I'm looking at all of these uncorrelated, near optimal lineups, and I'm just wondering, like, it doesn't make sense to me that that's the best way to play this tournament, even though it is a nice payout structure. It's relatively flat but it still I mean, seems like it rewards correlation. You, I mean, there, I, I guess it would depend. Like if you like simmed out like a, a 20 man, how many people were in it? 25, 25 man tournament. And then like the, the, the standard deviations are, you know, different and yours is going to be higher because you're correlated. Maybe there's some validity to, lower standard deviation and short field sit and goes because you won't take first as frequently, but you'll take more money over the long run or something. Yeah. I doubt it though, because usually more standard deviation is a good thing, especially when you're competing against a bunch of cash game lineups that have a yeah. lower amount of deviation. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You'd, you'd have to ask him. He makes more money than I do. So what do I know? Yeah, no, it, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. It, it's definitely, you know, I've been talking with Leone about it a lot too, and there there definitely does seem to be some edges at these higher stakes because I think, like you said, 
these guys are just putting the same lineup into everything. They're not actually making many considerations based on the specific contests, which actually makes it pretty fun if you have the bankroll or the stomach for the for the nosebleed sticks. Yeah, I'm I'm sure, I'm sure of it. Yeah, you can they can get lazy even though they're they they're they're good, they're sharp. It can happen. Yeah, they're not going to make mistakes with their with their with their optimal lineups like that. That's for sure. But it does seem like there's um, ways to to lap them quickly with correlation. I mean, remember the first week of high stakes League of Legends? Remember, yeah, the wild wild west. How could I yeah. forget? Empire Maker had a uh, team and captain. <laughs> yeah, for like a week straight. Yeah. Because you're just if you run the optimal, you'd get teaming captain over and over. Yeah. Oh man, if we could go back to those days. Um yeah. all right, we, we we have a couple minutes here. Do you want to open the the Pandora's box here or do you want to uh to shut it down here for talking about working for free? Let's let's open it. Just let, if you got five minutes. I got five. I uh, I can eat, yeah, I can push it to uh, I get seven minutes. I got seven minutes. Okay. Well, we, we were planning on you starting, so you could share my screen just to show them. Oh what yeah. Talking about Bales has got a new newsletter, Lucky Maverick. Check it out. Everyone who's watching this show probably knows who John Bales is. I'll also just mention I am going to I do the uh, a Friday uh, DFS build slash game theory show and Jonathan Bales is going to be my guest on Friday. Uh, Brian's going to be a guest here coming up in uh, in a few weeks as well. So get that plug in and then yeah, let's talk about working for free. All right, you you, you said you had some thoughts on this. Do you want to like cover it? Yeah, I mean I don't. Uh, you know, he had this whole post on it. And to me, you know, like so many things, I feel like it is, um, it's very relative to the, to the circumstances, you know, like if, uh, if your neighbor just asked you, Hey, will you work for free and shovel my driveway and rake my leaves and cut my lawn? You might say, screw you. Right. Because what is, what are you getting out of this exchange? And so then I think we're then moving on a sliding scale from that and being like, where do our incentives align? And that to me is where it's interesting. We're talking about when do the scales tip to where the benefits of, again, when you say working for free, it's almost like, what do you mean by free? Sure, monetarily, you might not, but like the long-term expected value, which is what Bales talks a lot about, might be worth more than short-term monetary gain. And and that's what this chart is here. So uh, I think you have to weigh that sliding scale in every opportunity. That's kind of how I feel about it. And I definitely think there's situations where I would tell someone to fuck off. I'm not working for free. And there's situations where I would beg someone to work for free. How do you feel about it? I I feel similar to you, similar to Bales. Um, We don't have a ton of time for me to rant. So I'll just hit some points I was thinking about was this kind of goes along with my idea of uh, we've talked about, you know, months ago of just like, just do something right? Like do something like start your own business or do a podcast or make your own projections or just do, do something, you know, and put them out there, make a Twitter account, put, put something out there. Um, you know, you don't have to work. That is you working for free, but for yourself too. And like our entire relationship is based off of, first of all, we're doing this for free. 
right? <laughs> we do tons of things for free. Our entire relationship's based off of you doing free content, right? That I liked me doing free content that you then followed me. And then I eventually sending you a message saying, Hey, well, you want to do another free show, <laughs> right? Like this entire thing is based off of doing stuff and doing it for free. But like the, one of the things that kind of got stuck in my head was some of the responses were, well, it's like a privileged position to be in. Yeah. Right. I saw those. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, listen, I, I, I get it. Like some people uh, don't have as much privilege as someone else, but so I, I worked an internship for free after college with the minor league baseball team and got a job in minor league baseball because of it. I was hardly privileged, but fine. People could argue that I was, but what my co-intern, there was three interns. My, the one I worked with was the owner's kid. Like he was completely privileged, right? He was a rich guy. doesn't matter what this kid does in life. He was not going to end up rich. Right. Um, he didn't do shit, right? Like he didn't, he didn't want to be there. Like, I think he was just asking like, you know, we should get paid was something he said like every, every fucking day. He was just there for the credits, right? For his school. He was still in school. And it's, and it's like these internships and working for free, like for people who aren't privileged, right? For, for like low skill individuals, like you want the barrier to entry to be as minimal as possible. This is something that, you know, I got wrong as, as, you know, a, recovering liberal <laughs> um you want the barrier down. if you have let's just say you have zero skills you can barely talk you know what i mean no one would hire you in the you know and if you and if you force people to pay a certain wage there's you're never going to hire the person with zero skills so something with a minimal barrier of entry no cost is good for people who have low skills right that's the whole fucking point is to learn these skills and work your way up. Um, and the the idea of like you know you have like there's people who 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 have to work 18 jobs and stuff like that. It's like okay, fine, but like we're we're talking about the 0.6 percent here again. You know what I mean? It's like we're arguing from their fucking perspective. Like most people, like you could go on you could go on like um, SNAP benefits in Section Eight. And, and, and then go work an internship. Like I know tons of companies would love to give, you know, um, uh, people, you know, who, who come from backgrounds like that opportunities. So it's like the, the whole privilege thing makes no sense to me when you're looking at it from this. It's just like the complete wrong mindset, I think, to, to like go at this from. And it's hard enough to like go work for free. It fucking sucked. I hated it. I'm like, I'm a sucker. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. You know what I mean? But you're going to be working for free and like hold like what we're doing right now is, is we're working for free. Yeah. And it also, uh, you know, I guess I just naturally, and maybe this is ignorant on my part, but like when Bales posts this, I, I read it through the lens of people being like, I want to get in to the fantasy industry. I want to get into the sports betting industry or in the sports analytics space or whatever it is, which is a very hotly contested market with not a ton of jobs. Now, if I'm if I'm wrong on that and we're just talking completely generally, like that conversation can shift, but it's like 
I did improv comedy for free for four years or whatever. There's a ton of people who want to be comedians and a lot of hacks, you know, like me that just want to get on stage and, and try it out too, where it's like, it depends on the industry too and how competitive that is. So like what you're trading off for, it's like, you you're more willing to work for free if it's in a very competitive industry where it's also like a very cushy gig, right? Where like, Oh, I want to be a comedian. I want to be a fantasy analyst. Like, yeah, you're going to have to eat a lot of shit for a long time to elevate to the top of that industry. One of the comments here in YouTube is like, uh, jobs require you to work during normal hours. And if you're there, uh, you have to work like a second job. You can't pay the bills. It's like, I had a second job. I taught guitar. And they knew that going in. And so like on those game days, I wasn't there. Right. Like, and also like, like you said, baseball usually is a night, night, like a late afternoon night gig. It depends. Comedy is going to be late night. Uh, It depends on the industry. Like, um, but like, even still like, yeah. Okay. Maybe you, I'm sure you can give me examples of some poor guy or girl who like can't make, make it work for them. But I don't see it. I mean, I don't, that, that still doesn't mean that like the company shouldn't offer it. Right. And also like, I'm, like right now we're working for free. That person can do, do something, right. Just do, do something. Like I work you, 40 hours a week for a day job. I still <laughs> do that. You everyone gives me shit about doing all these jobs. I have yeah. a full time day job. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No, no, yeah, for sure. And like, yeah. so, like it doesn't have to just be, that you work this internship at this, you know, corporate gig nine to five downtown. You know what I mean? Like you could just do your own thing. You could there's do, do something and people respect other people who do shit. I mean, I know that sounds, it's not the most intelligent way to, to, to put it, to put it out there. But like, if you actually do something and you see it right on Twitter all the time, me and you will look at someone's, we'll share someone's, post like oh look at this this is interesting you know what i mean and then we follow up and who knows where that's going to go and a lot of those guys got hired right by by some of these other sites and they're just doing shit for free and we shouldn't stop these companies from giving low barrier to entry opportunities to people because one guy has to work you know a, a shift and can't take it yeah and and again, that goes back to like if my if your primary objective is is making money, like that that path is going to be different. Like my personal like driving objective is to I, I enjoy making content, and I only want to make content that I would essentially do for free. Eventually, I would love to get paid. Brian and I would both love to get paid for this show that we're doing for free. But the reason we're doing it now and the reason we've done it every single Wednesday night for six months is because we enjoy doing it. And to me, that's like a thing that gets lost in there. And I always reject the concept as it pertains to hobbies and and stuff as a grind. It's like, no, I'm not grinding lols every Wednesday night. I'm doing it because it's fucking fun. And I like talking to Brian. And so I think that's just a point I like to make on that kind of stuff is like, don't grind a hobby, like do something that you love doing. And to Brian's point, put yourself out there, do a tweet, interact with other people. And you never know where things are going to lead. Brian literally shot me a message. And like, I was vaguely familiar with Brian and we started talking and we realized like, Hey, our interests really align with like doing a show like this and our skill sets would complement each other. Let's do it. Like, that never would have happened if we wouldn't have just put ourselves out there. 
definitely. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I'm, I wouldn't put myself out there for years. You know what I mean? So like, I could understand why you wouldn't, but these kind of these, these ideas, like the bales work for free idea and do, and the do something idea, they're, they're just intermingled for me. It's just, it's just like both of them are underrated and like the pushback of this privilege stuff is um, like, I get it. I see, I understand where you're coming from, but like, I, I'm I'm on team. Do something, and and if and if it's like a low barrier to entry opportunity, that's a good thing. Yeah. No, I mean I I'm not going to speak for Brian, but I'm never I'm not I'm I'm extremely privileged, and that does but that doesn't take away that I'm working hard and that I'm doing a ton of stuff and that I I'm going about it. You know, I'm working you know you know 10, 11 hours a day across all my stuff, but I know I'm privileged to be able to do that. I don't, I don't have kids. I don't have all this stuff I'm trying to also juggle. I realize other people have that and don't have the ability to do that. I recognize that privilege a hundred percent. But and also, like I said, the, the people who are extremely privileged, they get nothing out of it. They're set for life anyways. You know what I mean? Like my coworker, he didn't want to be there. He didn't get anything out of it. He didn't learn anything. He was just there for credits. Right. So it's like, it's not, I mean, the, the people who are super privileged i hate that fucking word <laughs> but the people who are super privileged they don't get anything out of it anyways this is for people who want to like learn put themselves out there they have low skills so they need a low barrier of entry like that's what this is for right and and, and that's not to say there's not predators out there like i've been part I've, I've i've been trying to take advantage of by like sports marketing companies after i graduated college and stuff like that i'm like oh this is like a cult like this is some like door to door bullshit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a bunch of uh, monsters out there. Don't get me wrong, but like, um, uh, it's a it's a good thing that that we should be spreading around yeah. like shitting on. Yeah, I think Matt makes a good point here as we wrap up in the chat. I think if it's something you have a passion for or you are learning a skill from that job, then working for free is good. Forget taking less or no money for a job. If, if you were just looking to make a transactional exchange for work, for money, then I, I I completely agree. I'm not going down to the Home Depot and offering to do manual labor for random people in my city for the day. I gain nothing from that other than giving my time and my, my physical efforts for that. But if I'm going to go do, uh, you know, if, if ESPN calls and they want me to go do a show for free, I might entertain that idea. You know, like we, we have to think about this in terms of, of the context. I mean, but even the manual labor thing, like you could go work at a construction site on a home for one day for free, helping yeah. them build a deck. And then you learned how to build a fucking deck. Yeah. If that was <laughs> my goal free, to be a carpenter. Own, yeah. If that's what you want to do is build your own deck. That would help. Yeah. My, my, my wife has gotten really into making chocolate. That's her thing. And she's been that, you know, she's, she's you know, sick to her stomach about, you know, coronavirus and all this stuff. But she's like, she wants to go to like a chocolate shop and just offer to work for free. She just wants to see how it works in the back and in all the process and the things they do. Like, that's just something she wants to go do to learn that skill for free. Yeah. Um, Sounds like she's smart. <laughs> all right. We got to wrap it up. I have to go do ship chasing. Uh, if you guys want to check that out, I'll post the link on Twitter. We're going to talk some fantasy uh, this was a fun conversation. Always love talking with Brian. Uh, we had lots of things to get to today. We didn't even get to make a lineup, Brian. This is the first time we haven't made a lineup in, in a long time. Yeah, they always suck anyways. 
<laughs> RBX 88, what, what the fuck? We didn't win. I want, I want my 200K. Yeah, I know. I'm following him on Instagram. He's buying his dad, you know, uh, vintage cars. So, uh, yes, if you guys, uh, I will, uh, this podcast will go up later tonight. I'm going to send Brian the file right after we finish. You can search for that. Lowell's podcast. If you guys aren't subscribed to Brick75, Brian Hooper's YouTube channel, smash the subscribe button underneath. We will see you guys, as always, every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you guys for tuning in. This has been Lowell's. Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.